Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Well, good morning. Where are, where am I, where, for a moment, I'm just going to talk to the winter retreat kids and I'll, I'll come back to everybody, but guys, this has been a blast and I just think, I think we've had so much fun. How many of you, the winter retreat folks, just, how many think we should just do like at least one more day, maybe two or three? Give it up if that's what we, yes, yes. I don't the leaders are booing me right now. I don't know what's going on. No. We, but, okay, if you, were, if you were an attendee of Winter Retreat this weekend, would you just stand up real quick so everybody can see where you are? Stand up. Let everybody see you. Give these guys a hand. They have been awesome. They are... Uh, I'm telling you right now, the future of the church is strong. I think the brightest days of the church are ahead of it. And as I've been watching uh, and learning from these students and their leaders and, and the band, uh, I, I am more convinced of that of ever. One of the things that we have been talking about throughout this weekend uh, was just the fact that God is doing a new thing in our life. I'm, I'm apologizing ahead of time for the camera people. I am all over the place. I know we streamed this one. I'm sorry. If you're online today, thank you for being here with us. I'm very sorry that I am erratic. Um, we talk about that God is doing a new thing in our lives and that he brings up, he wells up these springs, these, the source of living water, even in the wasteland, uh, even in the midst of the craziness of life and the frustration and the disappointment, whatever is going on, the fact is God is present there with us and he is calling us, he's calling us out of that to do something new in our lives. And last, last night we talked about what God's part in that was, this, this calling us to something, calling us out of the wasteland, calling us out of wilderness, empowering us to be able to do the impossible that we would never be able to do on our own, and then saving us from ourselves, even in the midst of our doubts and our fears, he is reaching out to us. And so today, what we're going to talk about this morning is our part in that equation. What does that mean for us, what, how is it that, that we then engage with God in such a way to fulfill our purpose? And one of the things that, that I have found, uh, I, I used to travel and speak a lot. I don't do it as much uh, now. I'm old and I'm, I am, I forgot my favorite pillow at home years old, right? And so if you're like over a certain age, you went, oh, you know exactly. If you're under a certain age, you're like, what does that mean? And I'm just here to say, you will find out. Um, and so, right, so, so, so as I traveled and spoke, there, I was at a college ministry for 10 years, they would ask me, man, all I want to know is my purpose in life. Like, if you could just tell me what I've been, what, what, what I'm created for, what is this purpose that God has given me, if you would let me know that, I think I'd be good, I think I'd be happy, I think I'd be content, I think I'd be able to, to kind of live in such a way. And so we're going to talk a little bit about today about what our sort of 
purpose is, what, what, what we have sort of been designed for. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a passage um, out of the book of Romans. And we're just going to talk about it a little bit, and, and we'll explain these, these stands as we, as we move forward. I think it's going to be on the screen. Let's start up there. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12. It's going to be two short verses, one and two. Um, and it's probably something you've heard before, but maybe never exactly had exegeted in this uh, way. So here's what it says. Therefore, I urge you, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think too often in the church when we've thought about our purpose or thought about our design, what we've been designed or led into by God, we, we view things backwards. I think we view things in a way that actually causes us problems in the long term. And so if you, if you would for a moment with me, I want you to think of each of these stands as kind of being a lens through which we are viewing this sort of purpose of God in our life, this the where is God leading us, where is he moving us, how, how, what do we do to kind of help confirm and fulfill that life inside of us? And I think oftentimes what we've been told or the way maybe we thought about it in church, and if you've been told this or thought about it here, I, I don't, I don't want to uh, say, hey, well, everybody's wrong, but we, we often think of, well, what's kind of what's my skill set? What are the things that I'm good at? Um, what, what, what am I, what, kind of where, where, where do I fit into this? And then we started thinking, oh, because of that, this must be the calling that God's laid on my life. And then we sort of work on that and we, we get better at it. And then eventually we think, you know, as I'm doing this, maybe, maybe I should kind of figure out where God's in and all this. And so we sort of move towards God. And what happens is when we view lenses out of order, it makes everything fuzzy. I think a lot of times as Christians, especially as newer Christians or as followers of Christ, as we're young people sort of working our way up, trying to figure out what's next, the future looks fuzzy because we're looking too far out and we're looking through the wrong lenses. We're, we're looking in such a way that it kind of confuses us of what God wants in our life. And I think this passage in some ways walks us through a system that allows us to know what God's purpose for us and what is kind of our part in that. And the first part of this, what it, what it seems to say is that what God desires for us is a closeness to him. If you want to know what your purpose is today in the everyday life, you say, Aaron, when I, when I woke up this morning, I just want to know what my, what's this meaning of my life? What is God moving me toward? What's the purpose I've been created for? You have been created to be close to God. There is a closeness that you have been chosen for. And I think if we're not careful sometimes, we, we think of the sort of God choosing us or God bringing us in, and we think it's because we did certain things or we sort of hold a certain skill set or there is something inside of us that sort of God looks at and because of that worth and that value says, oh, he's worth it or she's worth it or he's valuable or she's valuable, so I'm going to call them to myself. And what we see here, he says, look, I'm urging you, my brothers and my sisters, there's sort of this family closeness that we are called to that has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that we are his creations. God chooses not based on the system of the world. 
When I was in junior high, I don't know if they still do this. Uh, when I was in junior high, we played, we played, we played dodgeball. Now, we, see, we, we, we saw some crazy dodgeball this weekend. I don't know if you've never been at Winter Retreat, there, there are some pro level 99 dodgeball players that take great joy in destroying each other. Like it's, it's like how many, do they still play? How many of you, they still play dodgeball in school? Is that a thing? A few, okay. Do you pick teams still? No, right, because yeah, right. Yeah, no, we don't pick teams. Of course not. Well, when I was in school, no, right? When I, when I was in school, we did pick teams. We had to pick teams and it was always the same order, right? They, they, he'd all, the coach would always pick the two, two guys that, that had played basketball with him and you know, they'd walk in and they'd be like, I, I pick him. And, I, and, then, and you'd slowly, and you pretty quickly learned where you were in the process, where, what level you were in in the athletic ability or, or, or sometimes if you were just friends with him, even if you weren't athletic, you would get picked earlier. And there was always like one or two kids at the end that are just like, just don't pick me last. You know, just don't please, please just pick me before before the, the, this one, you know, and you're just, and you're just like, you're thinking of all the horrible attributes of that person. Like, look how, look, you're like making a set, look how dumb they are. You don't want to pick them. Like, people will make fun of you, right? Pick me. And so, so at one point, my coach decided to switch things up. And he goes, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have Aaron and Brandon, uh, and we both played basketball. We were both on the basketball team. <laughs> I played both guard and center. Uh, which is difficult to do, and you cannot, you're like, oh, those are two very different positions, but it was a center of the bench guarding the water bottles is the way that, is the way that works in junior high. Um, and so he, he called me and Brandon up. He said, hey, you guys are gonna pick, and Brandon picks first, and Brandon's like, I pick Lee, and everybody knew, no one was shocked. Lee, Lee, Lee was a kid who, when we played basketball, we had to, we had to travel with his birth certificate because nobody believed that, and he just walked, I mean, he already looked, he looked like a Ken doll on steroids. Like, he just like walks out. He can't bend his arms, which feels, you know, I don't know, he just, he didn't care. Like, I, he just, and he walks up and they do this like little handshake thing. They have to do it like this because they can't bend their elbows. You know, they're doing their thing and they're, they're like, yeah, oh, we're gonna win. And then it's my turn and I decide I'm gonna shake things up. And I go, I pick Brian. Now, to understand Brian, Brian was all of maybe four feet tall and probably 90 pounds soaking wet with 10 pound weights in his pockets. His glasses were thicker than his biceps. He couldn't see, and you couldn't wear glasses in gym. So this caused a problem in dodgeball. And they're all like, you pick who? I'm like, I pick Brian. And Brian walks up and he's like, okay, you know, like, like. and then it's, it's, it's Brandon's turn again. And he goes, I pick Eli. And Eli got voted best body in high school, which, which just seems like a horrible thing to vote for. But he got best voted, and he comes there and he's just, rah, and they, they hit arms and the whole gym shakes, you know. And I had seen Levi. I had seen Levi. He just like winds up and he would just throw dodgeballs and they would just go through cinder block walls, you know. And they're all just like, rah. And then it's my turn again. I go, I pick Jason. Again, shock. Jason now is designing apps for Google, which is awesome but not a good skill for dodgeball, right? And so that's the way it went the whole way up. I picked everybody that was always getting picked last. Brandon picked everybody that was always getting picked first. And I would love to tell you that I was the hero in the story and we won, guys, we got slaughtered. Like there were heads rolling, body parts falling. I got down to the bottom of the locker room we were changing and there's just this like circle of geeks that are like, if you ever do that again, we're gonna be really mad. You know, like they're just like furious. Right, because what we think about the way we pick, the way we choose, is that we base it on performance. 
And what God says is I am more concerned with your proximity than I am your performance. I want you to be close to me. Your purpose today, if you were to come up to me and say, Aaron, what has God designed me for? God has designed you for a relationship with him as a son and a daughter, a chosen one. Loved and valued, not because of who you are, but because of whose you are, and that is his creation. You have been called to a closeness to God. And then what comes next, what flows out of that, he says, hey, this is what I want you to experience as you are close to God and you are worshiping him, worshiping someone or something is simply ascribing the highest value to that object and then ordering your life around it. We all worship something. And he says, as we worship him because of our proximity to him, as we give thanks to him for choosing us, for allowing us to be his sons and daughters, as we, as we, we move out of that closeness, we then have this ensuing character that comes with that. It says that you will be transformed That because of your closeness to God, your character will shift and change as you are made in his likeness. Now, we naturally know this happens. We know that closeness creates character, creates us looking like. We we know this because if you've ever, like, have you ever hung out with older people that have been married for a long time? And they start to look like each other. Now, this is a warning for those of you that might be dating. You may want to take a look at the person you're dating and go, do I want to look like that when I get older? Now, there's actually a scientific reason for this. As you start to hang out with someone consistently, someone that's in your life 24-7, right, you start to actually make facial expressions like them. Your faces actually start to mimic one another because it helps with communication. And what that does is then the creases and the shapes in your face actually start to mimic them. So as you get older, the closer you are with someone, the more you start to look like them. And what happens is our proximity to God this coldness that we have from him, the closeness that we have then results in a character transformation in our life. And I think one of the problems that we've had in the church, I think some of the crisis that we've seen in leadership, some of the crisis we've seen in the evangelical model of how we grab pastors and throw them on stage is we've grabbed people that have a really good skill set, but they don't have closeness with God. And they, 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 sort of, they sort of can talk the talk and they may have a skill set that is desirable in the, in the world's eyes, but they don't have the character to hold up the weight of the calling that we've placed on them because they don't have the proximity or closeness to God because we think performance is where it's at. And so when we, when we view a lens of performance, this stuff gets sort of left on the wayside. Let's look at your skill set. Let's look at how good you are. Let's look at how charismatic you are on stage. Let's find these things in your life that, that, that the world would look at and say, this makes you valuable. And then once we have them, we're going to put you in a position and we're going to hope that the character and the closeness sort of flow from that. And this is an entire reversal about the way God works. He says, what I want for you in your life is not for you to perform for me, but to be close to me in proximity. 
And he says, once you're close to me in proximity and you're worshiping and you're sort of ordering your life around me, then, then I want to talk about your character. I want to ask, are you being made in my image? Are you living and looking and loving like Jesus? You want to know your destiny? You want to know your purpose in life? Be close to God. Love him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're called to do. And so we start to walk through this process of, okay, let's get closer to God. Let's start saturating ourselves in his word. Let's start connecting to him through prayer, through retreats, through community of one another. If I had a whole weeks of series that I could walk through this with you, we'd start talking about what are these things, that, what are the purposes in our life that bring us closer to God? We have this closeness to him. We have the character. And then we start to talk about our calling. What is he calling me to? And again, we haven't reached skill set yet. And I am a perfect example of that. Growing up, I would not have been voted most likely to make his living public speaking. Some of you in the room are going, makes sense. <laughs> I vote that way now. Is that can we reverse the call? Right? I, I, you'll, you'll hear it, especially when I'm tired and after, you know, when I was in my 20s hanging out with teens, going to bed at 12.30, waking up at 7 and not sleeping in between, uh, I was fine. As I get older... Um, y'all wear me out. Like, I'm just like, I, I got tired watching you play dodgeball. I was like, I need to go home and take a nap. This is crazy. And it was glorious, let me tell you. When I get tired, I start to stutter. I, I, I had a stutter most of my life. You probably heard it a couple times. If you haven't heard it by now, you'll start to see it. When it comes out, you go, oh, there it is. We had to move staff meetings from Monday morning for two reasons. One, I'm cranky Monday morning. All pastors are cranky Monday morning. And the second one was because I would talk and the meetings took like eight hours longer than they should have because I just kept stuttering because I was so tired. And they're like, look, we gotta, we gotta move this. We got, so we moved it to Wednesdays, which is a little better. I stuttered. Uh, not only did I stutter, um, but I, I have a, a speech impediment. My, I had my tongue clipped right here and I had both of these things right here clipped uh, because they, I, would, I, would, I had like a mush mouth. Words would come out. And there are still words today that I do not say from the stage. Uh, any word that ends with an R-L-D, um, at any level, or just RL really messes with me. I'll, I, I say God loves the earth or the universe. I don't say world, because that's how slow it has to come out. Because if I say God loves the world, you laugh like that, yeah, and that doesn't help the verse at all. It's not a funny verse, teens, right? And so, so I had a mush mouth, and, 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 I, and I stuttered, and then I have... Um, I don't know exactly what it's called. The, 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 the untactical corn, they call it spoonerisms because there was a pastor that did this. Um, but it's like a verbal dyslexia. I switch consonant sounds, which can be very dangerous when you're speaking. Uh, one time I was at a wedding and the, they were walking up. It was the rehearsal. And I said, hey guys, it's customary to cuss the bride. <laughs> and the groom was like, okay. I was like, no, 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 not in church. No. <laughs> All right, I'm, with the problem is like when you're switching sounds around, my, can I tell you, when I, if, you, if you've watched me speak or if you've ever seen me speak or you saw all this time, you'll notice that I, I pray before I go on stage and this is what I pray, God, please don't let me stutter too bad. Please let me pronounce words right. And if I switch syllables, dear God, please don't let me cuss in front of these people. 
Because I, I, I really like Chris and Olivia and Sarah, and I don't want to see him get fired for bringing me here. Right? Like, so you can see how a stuttering, mushed mouth, verbally dyslexic individual who's trying to figure out his calling and purpose in life says, maybe pastoring's not for me. What I wanted to be was a doctor. The reason I wanted to be a doctor was multiple. One, doctors make more money than pastors. Facts. I want to be a surgeon because surgeons don't have to talk to people. Have you ever been a surgeon? They walk in, they go, we're going to cut you up. They leave. The nurse comes in, does all the work. You're asleep. People don't talk back when they're asleep. They can't hear you stutter when they're asleep. You cut them open, you sew them up, you walk in, you go, went good. You walk out again, right? Like, that's all you got to do. I'm like, this is my calling. And I remember going to church camp, and I don't know if you went to church, but at church camp, man, everybody, everybody at church camp wanted to be called into ministry, except for me. And I remember going down the altar, and people would be praying, and the, this kid, he'd be crying, God, call me into ministry. And I'd be beside him, and go, God, look at him, the big baby, call him into ministry. Like, he's crying. Give him this. Why? Because I didn't feel I had the skill set to fulfill the calling that was being put upon my life. Because I was viewing it through fuzzy lenses and I was looking at the end game instead of the next step. I was looking at my calling through the eyes of the world that says you can't talk. You're never gonna make your living public speaking. And I'd sort of itemize, look, here's the things I'm good at. Here's what I'm not good at. God, this must be where you are leading me. And what God wanted was for me to stop thinking about 10 years in the future and start thinking about how was my closeness with him? Because when you're close with God, you can trust where he's taking your life, whether you're good at it or not. And so he says, look, I want to I wanna have your closeness to me. Aaron, let's not worry about 20 years out. Let's not worry about 10 years out. Heck, let's stop thinking about tomorrow and just say, how can you be close to me today? How can you worship me today? How can you order your life around me in such a way that your character is shaped by my heart? That when people see you, they say, I don't know who that guy is, but he sure looks a whole lot like Jesus. And so you worry less about your performance and more about your proximity. And then you look about your closeness and this character that comes with it. And then let's start talking about what I'm calling you to do. And a lot of times when we think about calling, we think of the big stuff, right? When I did, I did college ministry for, for 10 years and colleges would come and they say, man, I want to know what my calling is. I go, I know what it is. And they were like, yes. Like they were so excited. And we'd be sitting at a table and they'd be like, you can tell me? I'm like, absolutely. And they're like, you can tell me right now what God is calling me to do. And I was like, I can. And they'd be like, what is it? And I'd be like, he is calling you to do your homework. And they'd be like, is there someone else in this office, right? Like, can I talk to someone else? Why? Because they didn't want to know that God was calling them to be faithful in the little things. 
They want to know how they were going to set the world on fire. They want to know what's the vision you have for me, right? How, we, I, I came from a college that has the, the Institute of World Changers. We want, to, we want to change the world, right? That's what we think. When we think about, when we read through scripture, we always see ourselves in the picture of the hero. We want to be the Davids. We want to be the Daniels. We want to set the world on fire to Jesus. And I'll be honest, as a young person, that can be terrifying because you look at these people and you see these jobs and you think, man, how, how am I ever going to do that? And what I found in scripture over and over and over again, very rarely does God call us to immediately set the world on fire. What he calls us to is to be close to him. The little things in life that matter. What are you doing today to become closer to God? What are you doing this weekend to become closer to God? What are you putting into your life that facilitates a closer proximity? What are you allowing to be removed from your life that is stopping that? And then you wake up and you do it again tomorrow. And you do it again tomorrow. And as we do this, we start to enter in this process that, that, that we in our tribe call sanctification, that this character of our life starts to be transformed in such a way that we actually start to reflect the heart of God to the people around us. Like, let, maybe, maybe we stop thinking about setting the world on fire and just, just start thinking about setting a, a, a few close friends, right? Maybe, maybe we start thinking about our families, our workplace, our school, that the resulting character of the closeness that we have with God starts to shape our calling of what he wants for us, not just from us, but for us in our lives. And then, and then we have the last one, and this is our capacity. And a lot of times this is where we start. We want high capacity leaders in our life, right? We want people that'll work long hours and forget their families so that we can grow things. That's, that's what we desire. I mean, we never say that out loud. That's never on the church search. But we know, right, this, if we're not careful, this is, we, we think, man, who, who, we, we look at students or we look at people or we look at college kids, we look at volunteers. We want this high capacity people. And we've, we start viewing it through this. If they're high capacity, they must be close. We better call them to something, right? And we, we, we mix this up. And, and, and what I've found is that if we'll start with the closeness and then we move to the character and we allow that to shape the calling that has on our life, the capacity shows up. And he puts us where he desires us through in that season. And for some of us, there's a season of craziness where we're doing all kinds of stuff. And for some of us, there's a season of just a little bit. This can change. But if this isn't shaped by these things, what will happen is we will crumple under the weight of the supposing calling that we think we have because we haven't done the legwork at the beginning. And what happens is when we think of capacity first, we think of skill set first, we sort of have a view of what we value. We put our value in our talents and our skill set. We put our value in the things that we hold dear to us. And here's what I can tell you right now. There is nothing in this world that can hold the weight of the value you are putting on it except for Jesus. When you try to put your identity in things that will fail you, when you try to put your identity in things that can go away, it will collapse. And oftentimes, if we put our faith in that, our faith will collapse with it. But when our faith is tied to our proximity and not our performance, when our faith and our value 
are tied to our closeness to Jesus. He won't fail. Even in the wasteland, even in the desert place, even in the disappointment and the doubting, even when we feel disenfranchised, he will not fail. He has not failed before and he will not start today. I will disappoint you. If I have not done it already, it will happen. Most of you are like, it's only been an hour. It's already happened like four times, right? Imagine these poor kids, they've been with me all weekend. (laughs) Right? Your pastor, who's an amazing man, and I, I've gotten to meet him a little bit, and he, he's gonna disappoint, you're gonna be disappointed. Right? Your spouse, if you put the weight of your value on a relationship, on a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or on your spouse, that's where you find your value, it will, dis- it will fail you, it will fall. If you think athletics or academics is gonna be the thing that brings you value, it will fall apart. Your knees are gonna go out. Your brain's not going to work as sharply as it once did. And if we put our purpose on this side of the equation, when it fails, it will crush us. But if we put our value and our purpose on this closeness, this proximity to Jesus, he will never fail. So I'm going to ask the team to come up. We're going to sing here in a moment. I'm just going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. young folks who's been there this weekend at the beginning of the week, I asked if you would stand if you were willing to move wherever God's gonna call you to be, right? I said, face your wasteland. Whether that desert or that wilderness was something that was created for you, whether it was, it was something you created out of your own choice or maybe just some, some, but we had to face that wasteland. Whatever it was, we were gonna face it. And wherever God called us, we were gonna come. So here's the end of that sermon. What God's calling you is to closeness to him. He wants to walk through the wasteland with you. The new thing that he is calling you to is springing up wells of living water in your life. Transforming you by the renewing of your mind to look like him, to live like him, to love like him. And out of that, have your calling be shaped into what he desires to do for you and through you. So here in a moment, we're gonna sing in response and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray over you before we do. Here's what I'm gonna ask. And this is for anybody, anybody wants to do this, but I specifically wanna to talk to our young people this morning. You said at the beginning of the week, hey, you know what? If, if God moves in me, I'm, I'm gonna do it. Whatever, wherever he calls, I'm gonna go, whatever it is. Some of you have already experienced that in your lives this weekend. You didn't even know what it was gonna be. I said, whatever, whatever it is, you said, whatever it is, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Wherever he's calling, I'm gonna go, wherever it is. Where he's calling you isn't some grand scheme, although it may happen, isn't some world-changing moment, although it may happen. What he's calling you to is closeness to him today, tomorrow, in this season, in this year, for the rest of your life drawing closer to him, getting the character of his heart, 
and accepting the calling that's laid on you. So I'm gonna pray, and when I'm finished praying, I only want you to stand today. Not because your friend stood, not because, not because you wanna make me feel better. It doesn't make me, I'm gonna go back, I won't even see you. Not because your parents or your, your leaders watching. If, I want you to stand today if the desire of your heart is to fulfill the purpose that God has put on you, which is closeness to him. So I'm gonna pray when I say amen. If that's you today, would you just stand in response and sing? And then they may have the rest of you stand at some point. God, Lord, I thank you for calling us, for choosing us, not based on what we do or who we are, but whose we are, which is your children. We are brothers and sisters in Christ called to order our lives around you. Would you help us do that today? Would you give us, empower us, call us to the impossible, empower us to do it, save us from ourselves and draw us closer to you so we can fulfill the purpose you have laid on us. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. If that's your prayer today, would you stand as we sing? Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.